Hello. Welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan. My goal is for us to discover jazz old and new together by listening to a wide array of selections and exploring different jazz styles and topics related to jazz. We'll learn more about what it is, what it isn't, how it's developed, and what we can listen for to enhance our experience. This program is on Trent Radio, 92.7 on your dial, and Peterborough Independent Podcasters. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. For the past two weeks, I've been selecting a few of the 40 essential jazz solos that Jazz Times Magazine listed after asking a number of famous jazz musicians and writers. And this is part three of the series, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what makes a great solo and what doesn't. I'm coming close, though, thanks to listening to some of these. Today I'll play some more, as well as a Canadian solo recommended by a Peterborough jazz musician, also one that has been heralded as a great player gone bad, at least within one particular solo. Well, it never hurts to start with Bill Evans. This solo was selected by jazz pianist Laszlo Gardani. He says, I love the subtle organic shifts of groove and the emotionally charged, continuously developing melodic line. He says he can hear Come Rain or Come Shine and simultaneously in a completely new composition. He writes, Evans washes away any sense of difference between chord and melody. And Gardoni also describes a solo as, as being like receiving a candid letter from a good friend, unquote. Bill Evans from 1960, Come Rain or Come Shine. Thank you. 
Bill Evans. Let's have a bit of fun now with another standard. One thing I always wonder about is how much of a solo is truly made up on the spot and how much is a rehash of something they've done before. I mean, musicians who do concerts play a particular piece over and over again, and I doubt that the solo is totally different each time. In fact, sometimes it's not much different. This is Ella Fitzgerald with How High the Moon, her solo from the 1947 studio version. Then shortly after, I'll play her doing a live version 13 years later, and you can hear the similarities and differences. First, part of the 1947 recording, Ella Fitzgerald. High the moon is the name of the song. High, high the moon, though the words may be wrong. We're singing it because you ask for it. So we're swinging it just for you How high the moon does it touch the stars How high the moon does it reach up to Mars Though the words may be wrong to this song We're asking a high, 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 high is the moon play Ella Fitzgerald again singing that song. I'm going to play the entire piece this time. It's on a 1960 album called Mac the Knife, Ella in Berlin. This was selected by American jazz bassist and singer Kristen Korb as one of the great solos of all time. She calls it the blossoming of Ella's artistic maturation. She sings a similar solo as we just heard in 1947, but here she really stretches it out. Kristen Korb states that she continues to develop more ideas, among them band hits and quotes and the comedy routine at the end. Now, a quote, by the way, is when you throw in a slight reference to another song in the middle of a solo. Jazz musicians do it all the time. Ella Fitzgerald from 1960, 13 years after that first recording of this tune, How High the Moon. Just for it, so we're swinging it just. 
the stars How high the moon Don't reach up to Mars Though the words may be wrong to this song We're asking how high, 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 high is the moon Ooh, beauty, 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 beauty Ooh, beauty, 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 beauty Ooh, beauty, beauty,
Ella Fitzgerald. I have two Freddie Hubbard tunes that I'm going to play today. One to illustrate great soloing, and the other to illustrate not-so-great soloing. The great soloing is Freddie himself. It was selected by a famous jazz musician who grew up in Nanaimo, B.C. No, I'm not talking about Diana Krall. There's another one. Trumpet player Ingrid Jensen. Here's what she says about Freddie Hubbard's solo in Birdlike. Chorus after chorus, nearly 20 in total, it feels like one big groove-driven story to me. Badass riffs connected to melodies with clear and distinct direction, leading to perfectly swinging lines that I'll be striving for forever. And she adds, who knew B-flat could have so many possibilities? Freddie Hubbard with Birdlike from 1962.
The amazing trumpet work of Freddie Hubbard from 1962 with Wayne Shorter on tenor sax, McCoy Tyner piano, Bernard McKinney on euphonium, Art Davis bass, and Elvin Jones on drums. All right, I said I had two Freddie Hubbard tracks today. In order to appreciate a great solo, it's probably important to get an idea of what isn't so great. There are some who say that the solo that Tommy Flanagan takes on the original version of Giant Steps was less than inspiring. He had been told it was a ballad, and he was sight-reading the complex chords at a mile a minute. (laughs) I played Giant Steps last week, so you may want to go back to it and give it another listen. But I posted something on the Jazz Peterborough Facebook page asking for any solos by great musicians that weren't really up to par. I only received two responses, one from a person who refused to play, saying he doesn't listen to shitty music. But I wasn't looking for a bad solo, just one that wasn't all that great. But former Peterborough bassist Wesley Collette Taylor, now making it big in Toronto, came to my rescue. He suggested Ron Carter's solo on Freddie Hubbard's 1970 recording of Red Clay. Now, Wesley very much likes Ron Carter as a bassist, as do I. He's on electric bass guitar here, which is unusual for him. And actually, his bass work on this particular tune is stellar. But the actual solo, well, (laughs) there's not much to it. He sticks mostly with variations on the tune's bass line. Reviews I looked at online described it as odd and unmusical and out of character for Ron Carter. Another one reads, Ron Carter taking this weird double-stop idea that really doesn't fit, but he keeps at it till it slowly starts to make sense in my head, but then it ends. Compared to the rest of the solos, it's just odd and stands out. 
another person says, Please never speak of the red clay solo again. For the love of the electric bass, I beg you. And another one. So, you have one of the best jazz bass players ever and a nice simple sequence, but it sounds like he's struggling to play something, anything. But then, Edward Garcia in the Jazz Loop says, Ron Carter's solo is next, and it's an absolute joy. He really makes the bass sing. That was the only positive one I found. And one other quote from a reviewer of the Red Clay album of 1970. Carter nearly kills off the title track when he executes a dreadful, purposefully tuneless bass solo right on the heels of a stellar Hancock statement. So just before I play it, in reference to the Herbie Hancock comment, that solo too is controversial with some loving it, some saying it's messy, and one saying it's good, but not the most exciting Herbie Hancock I've ever heard. On this track, you'll first hear the one-minute introduction and the head, that's the statement of the melody, which, by the way, uses the same chords as Bobby Head's Sonny. Then you'll hear solos by Freddie Hubbard, Herbie Hancock's Fender Rhodes solo, Joe Henderson's saxophone solo, then just before the nine-minute mark, the notorious Ron Carter bass solo that I've been talking about. From 1970, Freddie Hubbard with Red Clay. Thank you. 
Hubbard with Red Clay. Did you hear that Ron Carter bass solo? What did you think? Odd and unmusical or an absolute joy? I asked some people from the Peterborough Jazz community for ideas for inspiring solos from Canadian musicians. And Craig Patterson, who was featured on a couple Discovering Jazz programs recently called A Jazz Fan's Formative Recordings, suggested this next one. It's from a 2005 recording by an American drummer, Terry Lynn Carrington, but it features Canadian musicians, uh, which include Robbie Botas on piano, Phil Dwyer on sax, and bassist Mark Rogers. The album's called One Take, and Craig recommended the Thelonious Monk composition they play called Bemsha Swing. He states that Robbie's solo on Bemsha Swing is outstanding. He goes to amazing places. So let's give a special listen to pianist Robbie Botas when he comes in. Thank you. 
are listening to Discovering Jazz on Trent Radio and Peterborough Independent Podcasters. My name is Larry Sadman. Today, the Jazz Solo, Part 3. Let's go back to the solo selected through Jazz Times magazine. We have to have some Charlie Parker. This one was selected by New York jazz pianist Bill Charlop. He writes, Parker's improvisation on Embraceable You bears the mark of both his compositional thought process and his seemingly effortless extemporaneous flow. It is a new melody and its development is perfect. The harmonic clarity and innovation and rhythmic invention are flawlessly navigated and he's always telling a story. He says that Duke Jordan's piano introduction is also a classic. Let's hear it from 1947, Charlie Parker and Embraceable You. See if you can recognize the tune. Charlie Parker, Embraceable You, with Miles Davis on trumpet, Duke Jordan piano, Tommy Potter bass, Max Roach drums, and, of course, Charlie Parker on alto sax. Time for one more essential solo. There are still quite a few more mentioned in the Jazz Times article, and I do want to hear them all, but I think I need to take a break. So if I do have a part four, five, and six of this series, it will be later. I'll finish this program with Weather Report and an essential solo by Jaco Pastorius. Drummer Peter Erskine describes it as a remarkable study in contrasts. 
The solo starts with stately melodic components, including an homage to Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring, but then he whips out the chops, and he does it on a fretless bass with perfect intonation and tone and time. Unquote. This is Larry Sadman saying bye for now, ending off with Havona by Weather Report from 1977, featuring the bass of Jaco Pastorius. Thank you.